Good afternoon and welcome to episode 13 of the Replatform podcast. In this episode, I'm going solo as James is busy with project work and I'm joined by Piers, one of two founders of Shopify Plus agency WeMate Websites. Thanks for joining today, Piers. Do you want to give us a bit of an overview initially on both you and WeMate Websites? Sure. Uh, very nice to be here. So, uh, yeah, my name is Piers and I'm one of the co-founders of WeMate Websites. We're a Shopify Plus agency and we design, develop and optimize uh, best-in-class Shopify websites for international brands. And uh, we've been doing it for 10 years now, a uh, big chunk of my life. And uh, yeah, we're based uh, in London. We've got 50 people in London and we've got an office uh, uh, now in New York um, and a few people, remote people in Canada. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, starting to get turned into a big thing, I suppose, for us. <laughs> Great. Um, so my first question, so I know you tend to do a lot with international projects um, and international and Shopify is an area that's questioned quite a lot. Um, so can you maybe talk a little bit around how Shopify can be used in an optimal manner for complex multi-store international uh, projects, say with maybe five or six currencies um, and kind of local language and some of those kind of bits? Sure. Yeah. So this is the kind of project we do. Um, I suppose day in day out this is what we've uh, I guess built a bit of a reputation on so I think Shopify has a bit of a perception of not doing international that well in the market um, partly because it's it's kind of gone for this uh, multi-store separate separate stores for each region you want to you want to operate in uh, model which is kind of slightly different uh, what a lot of our retailers that we work with are coming from, which is the Magento world of like a single back-end multi-storefront model. Um, now, I think the the kind of perception uh, that Shopify is not good at international is really overstated. And in fact, its multi-store architecture is actually a real plus in a lot of cases. Um, and for us, yeah, the the kind of any shortcomings of, of that approach, um, which maybe I'll get into in a minute, um, you can mitigate with you know, other tools behind the scenes, syncing content between the stores um, or pushing into the stores from a PIM or a um, yeah, content management system. And um, yeah, then typically for a size of retailer we're working with, you don't have any issues around reporting across stores because you're going to have other systems doing that reporting anyway. You're going to be pulling all your orders into an ERP. Um, so yeah, I, I, think, um, I think Shopify is very actually very strong on that stuff. Um, they are getting stronger. So they're building a whole load of tooling around you know, multi-currency was launched last year. Um, there's a new multi-language API, which is going to allow much better multi-language on a single Shopify store. That's pretty much launched. Uh, I think it's in beta now. And we're trialing that with some retailers. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, Shopify Plus, uh, or what they're telling us, the new Shopify Plus is, is effectively uh, a dashboard across all of your Shopify instances. So let's say you've got five or six um, stores serving uh, maybe uh, US, UK, France, Germany, and maybe a catch-all store. You're going to be able to see all your orders across those stores. Um, you're going to start to be able to um, manage discounts and promotions across those stores. Um, Things like Shopify Flow, um, which is an automation tool um, that I think you're going to quiz me on later. <laughs> um, managing things like that across stores is going to become easier. So I think the first iteration of that, it's not super clear what's going to be in it, but long term, that's going to be uh, a very compelling offering because it's uh, effectively mirroring the kind of more Magento world that people are used to. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we've worked on a couple of projects recently that have been international together um, and some of those or both of those um, have used a PIM and you mentioned PIM there and kind of how that can add value. Um, is this something that you recommend to your clients uh, more now? I know it's becoming a lot more of a common use case with Shopify recently. Um, yeah, so kind of where does that sit in your average project? And Yeah, I think um, because of the nature of Shopify's architecture, so separate stores for different uh, markets you want to operate in. Um, I think you end up not wanting to manage your product data in several places, um, even though some of your product data is going to be localized. So you do want it different in stores, um, different stores. But that, yeah, if you're a sizable retailer um, and you're, you're likely to have other channels than you're online that are needing product data. So a PIM definitely makes sense. Whether it's an out and out standalone PIM or whether you're using your ERP as a, as a sort of 
uh, PIM, which we've seen quite a lot, uh, people using storing product data in NetSuite. Um, I, think, I think it makes a whole lot of sense. That said, we have seen some of our clients kind of go down the route of install, building a system that's going to allow them to manage product data from a single place and then end up just managing it in spreadsheets because yeah. you know that, they find that easier. And frankly, it's very easy to just import stuff uh, into Shopify. So if you're managing all your product data in a spreadsheet, you're not at a massive disadvantage. Um, but yeah, like a m more complex retailer, multi-language, lots of different content, lots of different channels, a PIM makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess you touched on Shopify or the new Shopify Plus a bit earlier, um, and you've already covered quite a lot on this topic, but kind of how big an impact do you think that will have, like based on the very little that most people know, you might know more than I do about it, but yeah, kind of what do you kind of see that bringing initially and how big an impact do you think that will have? Yeah, unfortunately I don't have any sort of uh, gossip or some sort of scoop <laughs> for you on, on, on uh, what's going to be in that, but yeah, my understanding of it from the announcements at Unite and my conversations with you know, fairly senior people in the tech team in, in, in Shopify are that the idea of this sort of new world of Shopify Plus is yeah, a unified view across all of your store, stores. Um, and that initially will be taking shape with you know, unified view across orders and reporting um, with some, my, my uh, well, what I, what I think will definitely be in there is, is management around promos and um, things like Shopify Flow and Launchpad. So Launchpad is, for anyone that doesn't know, a part of the tooling of Shopify Plus that lets you manage um, yeah, promos and uh, product launches um, in a fairly automated way. So I think that's kind of V1, but I'm not sure. PIM, I don't think, or, or managing products from a sort of uh, across stores from a unified um, admin, I don't think will be in V1 of this, um, which is a shame because yeah, that would simplify things. But then again, I'm sort of torn because yeah, most retailers, when you get into that level of complexity, have got PIMs anyway, and you need they need their PIMs for other channels. So I'm not, I'm not sure if it solves a massive problem for our type of clients anyway. Like I, I don't really know. I'm still excited for it to happen and I think it will be useful for certain clients, but um, yeah, I'm not sure it's as big a pain point as um, people often make out. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, fine. Like the other, the other side of it is like managing content, like page and blog content. I think will be really powerful. Like, yeah, we're looking into or, or are using separate CMSs for that stuff. So using contentful to like push from a single place across multiple stores, um, in the meantime, and again, that will allow you to push that content to other channels. So it's a sort of similar type problem, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. It seems like it's been a long time coming. I still don't know when it's actually going to come out. Yeah. Absolutely, Shopify yeah. tend to not tell us so much <laughs> these days. Um, but yeah, it could be a bit, it could, could be a, um, solve a few pain points. Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hopefully we'll find out more, um, at Unite this year. Moving on from multi-store, but staying on international, um, look, with the multi-currency feature of Shopify that came out last year, um, I think it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, last year. Um, do you expect Shopify to improve that feature, um, whether or not it's this year, but and start allowing for things like more currencies, different payment methods, um, and also things like separate price lists? Um, yes. So more currencies certainly and yeah. i think they'll really push that and wrap that up this year um price lists is a tricky one so i think that was the original intention so for for people listening that don't really know much about shopify's multi-currency um setup at the moment it's uh I, I guess a conversion based on the exchange rate of your base currency and so you can't really control let's say you've got a single shopify store you can't list all of your products in uh, you can't choose the pricing per currency for individual products. You're say, sort of setting it in say GBP or USD as maybe your base, and then it will convert it into euros or it convert it into yen or whatever based on an exchange rate. Which, for most of our retailers, they can't. Well, they can't use that in all situations yeah. because maybe they're tied into pricing agreements in certain markets um, with wholesalers and things like that. And so, if it's fluctuating based on the exchange rate, it's, it's not going to work for them. Um, so uh, I think it is. It would be good to see that, 
But from what I understand from Shopify, and this is a bit of conjecture, their their sort of their feeling is that if you're in a situation where you do need price a different set of pricing for a particular region, you're probably pretty serious about that region. And and the model of having a separate store, which is merchandised separately, has different content and really localized for that region, is gonna cater for you better. So so I think that's probably the dry driver in their mind around how how and when they do this. I'm sure it'll happen eventually, but I think it's been deprioritized. As for the final bit of your question, which was um, other gateways. Or, yeah, yeah uh, gateways, yeah. It's, it's a tricky one. Like Shopify payments, I suppose, is a bit of a, <laughs> it's where Shopify make a lot of their revenue. Yeah, absolutely, so yeah. they tend to they tend to do all features around payments on it first and then slowly release it yeah. to other, other payment gateways. So I'm sure they will eventually do it. But again, like it's really tough to know. Yeah. That is like a sort of thing that, uh, never, never gets out until it's properly released by Shopify. So, uh, sorry, I can't help you. No. Ask, ask Toby. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tweet him. Um, that makes sense. I'll try and stop quizzing you on things. That it's you... all right. No, it's yeah, fine. Good. I'm well. happy to guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then the next question. So moving away from international a little bit. So the average client for Shopify, or at least clients moving to Shopify, are getting bigger and more complex. Um, why do you think that kind of more and more retailers are open to Shopify now, given that a lot of the reasons that maybe enterprise retailers might not have moved to Shopify a few years ago are still there? Um, yeah, I think this is an interesting one and certainly something we've observed. Our clients getting bigger and bigger and it, you know, there are brands coming to Shopify now that I wouldn't have dreamed of move, moving onto the platform you know, a year ago or two years ago. So I think, it, yeah, there's definitely been a big shift in the market. My feeling is that it's not really down to the product or anything changing about the product at all. And it's that retailers are risk averse and just take, you know, they, they just need someone to take the plunge first, um, see it work before they take the risk. So I remember pitching to Emma Bridgewater, I don't know when, when that was, probably two and a half years ago. And that was quite early for a reasonably sized, uh, you know, high street retailer to be thinking about Shopify Plus, I would say. They weren't... They, they saw it as none of our peers are doing this. So why, why should we, you know, Shopify was barely in the conversation. Salesforce was kind of a, uh, their preferred choice. Yeah. So it took a lot of persuading to give them comfort that Shopify was going to do everything they need and allow them to scale. Um, and that is totally different now. I don't have to have those conversations. We still do a bit, but it's much higher up the market that we're having those conversations. So it's, it's really that all the other brands are starting to do it. And, you know, it's that herd mentality that's saying, right, actually, I'm seeing this, you know, perhaps I don't need this massive enterprise system anymore. And I can get everything I need for a fraction of the total cost of ownership um, and still have huge, you know, the ability to scale. You know, I, I think stories like Gymshark and um, Kylie Cosmetics, yeah. the fact they're doing you know, hundreds of millions or even a billion in um Kind of cosmetics case through Shopify really show its scale and and therefore people have total comfort that they can grow on the platform. Okay, that makes sense. And um, on that, I guess some of these bigger retailers are moving Shopify. So two good recent examples being Staples in Canada and JB Hi-Fi in Australia um, are going down the headless route or using the storefront API. Um, that seems to be quite a big trend at the moment with Shopify and it can add a lot of value in terms of kind of SEO and opening things up a bit more um, and generally kind of giving people a bit more freedom on the front end. Do you think this will become a bigger focus for Shopify? Um, and what do you think of this approach in general? Big question. Um, <laughs> right. So first bit of it, um, will it be a more of a focus for Shopify? So I think it already is a big focus for Shopify. I think they are a little bit more measured about it. Um, partly because of their very broad customer base. Yeah, so yeah. Shopify and Shopify Plus still is the same product really under the hood. I mean, yeah, you get more features and more scalability on Plus, but um, the code base is the same and the infrastructure is the same. So um, they're thinking about their whole client base and, and like at one end, the Shopify end, you know, headless is not, a, there's no compelling reason. Yeah. Um, at the top end and the JB Hi-Fi's of the world, yeah, there's probably a lot of good reasons. Um, so I think um, it is a big focus for Shopify. I think um, they they talk about it as um, as 
I suppose it's not a, a huge feature in their marketing, but it's starting to become one. I mean, yeah, they, they can't ignore it. And yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, it's hard to, for me to comment on like what their focus is. But yeah. in terms of the ability to go headless on Shopify, it's a, a, everything we, everything you need is there there's some big players doing it now that have proved that it works so there's nothing stopping us us doing it i think in general we're quite um it's, we're we're not hesitant but we want to make the right decision for our retailers so we're if someone's coming to us and saying you yeah, know we want a headless implementation we're not just saying yes we are interrogating the reasons why um i think the, the the use cases for it are you know when you've got multiple digital touch points you know website you want pwa mobile app like some sort of in-store experience yeah. and and you're kind of um i guess having business logic and catalog and content reused across lots of different touch points yeah that's starting to make sense if you've just got a website and that's all yeah there's no real reason to go headless like some people are doing it for performance and i think that's probably not the right reason. Um, there are some other reasons around SEO and UX, and I think um, you know, you've written about a lot of this stuff before. Yeah. Um, and also there's a great blog post by my business partner, Alex, on the WeMet website's blog um, on all this stuff. So I suggest everyone reads that. Um, but, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough one. Like we're definitely having, uh, you know, we're working on headless stuff with our clients. Um, Shopify talk about it a lot. You know, Shopify is an API first company. Yeah, that's how they built themselves over 14 years. So, so, um, yeah, I think that I think they're well set up for it. Um, but yeah, I don't. Know. I, I I think perception wise, people see brand, people see platforms like commerce tools, which is you know, fully API fully first, yeah. first, and then would look at Shopify and think, well, perhaps it's a, a much weaker option for that sort of thing. But yeah, I think brands like Koala and JV High. And people yeah. like that really proving that that's not the case. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. Like we've had quite a lot of clients talk about it recently. It seems to be a really shiny uh, thing at the moment. And obviously, there's a lot more headless sites across the different platforms um, launching. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think you need like a real kind of reason to do it. Yeah, um, there are a lot of there are a lot of drawbacks. Yeah, you know? like you're going to lose a lot of. Yeah, uh, you'll gain agility in certain a certain sense, but you'll lose a lot of like the things you get for free with yeah. a platform like Shopify. And you're also not, the apps. Yeah, well. you're not going to just be able to plug apps in. Every, everything you need to integrate essentially becomes much more complex. You're maintaining essentially two or more platforms. Um, you've got, I guess, uh, a loss of functionality within the, in the platform, essentially. You can't use some of the tools around content management that would come for free otherwise. So. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of drawbacks, particularly if you're a sort of you know, smallish mid-market kind of yeah. retailer. You've got to think really carefully about whether you sh whether there's enough of a positive um, reason reason to to kind of step into the headless world. Yeah, and uh, we have spoke to a couple of retailers that have gone down the headless route as well, and then regretted it as a result of kind of certain things not being available to them anymore. Um, and this was a while ago, but. Yeah, a lot of the apps not having the right APIs and a lot of the kind of smaller Shopify apps just generally not being suitable anymore. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you've got to be big to make make a, make a case for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so integration. So I know you do a lot of kind of integrations with different types of systems. Um, how easy is it to connect Shopify with different types of ERP, WMS, CRM? Um, some of the kind of the bigger systems, maybe bespoke systems. Um, yeah. Um, yes. So I guess, I mean, it's a real strength for Shopify. I think how easy it is to integrate. One one thing is, you know, every Shopify instance is going to behave the same way. You know, yeah. you can't. <laughs> Shopify is in control of those APIs in the core. So. Um, from integration partners that I know, they love that. They love that it's going to do exactly, yeah, do what it's told. Yeah. I suppose is uh, how I've heard it. Um, yeah, but for for us, uh, I think the the thing we've noticed over the years is that because Shopify has got now got such a big market presence, pretty much everything you want to integrate with has some sort of ready to go integration. So like all the big ERPs, WMSs, you know, CRMs, etc. There's something out of the box that'll do it or an integration platform as, uh, as a service that's going to that's gonna handle, handle all of your integration needs for you. I think um, there are definitely cases where we need to build custom integrations, and that'll always be the case with yeah. you know, esoteric systems or like 
in-house uh, proprietary systems. But it's generally the Shopify side of it is easy because the APIs are good, they're really well documented. Um, and and uh, yeah, I mean, it's gen generally you see no, see no issues there. I think you do occasionally have people talk about the API limits, um, some of the limitations there, but you generally don't hit them. I'd be interested to see what a brand like JB Hi-Fi yeah. um, says about that. And I know um, from speaking to some of the partners that worked on that, that they've had to do some interesting stuff there. But the fact that a huge, huge brand like that is up and running and not and, and functioning very yeah. well on Shopify Plus is, is, uh, shows that it, it can all be done. I think um, um, I think there's also quite a lot of misconceptions uh, around that area as well. Like I've heard a lot of other or maybe agencies from other platforms say that um, a certain level, maybe like a twenty million pound retailer on Shopify would struggle from a API limits perspective. But then you see people like um, Fashion Nova who are apparently doing over a billion, and Kylie, like you said. Yeah, yeah. But what did Gymshark do this year? Like three hundred million. Yeah, and, and like yeah, that. The, 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 clearly, clearly it works and. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, the, the API limit is something I know that big commerce really hammers about Shopify. Like, we don't have those limits, Shopify does. Like, I think um, I'm not knocking big commerce, seems like a really good platform, yeah. um, but just it seems like they're attacking the wrong part of Shopify. Yeah. There. Like, I don't, I think that's actually a real strong point is how easy it is to integrate with other systems. And everything we build, we're integrating with an ERP or some other system. Yeah. And the other strength is that there's a load of really good integration partners out there that, um, yeah, they work with big ERPs and with Shopify Plus all the time. They know what they're doing. It's like a well-trodden path to integrate NetSuite, Shopify, you know, Microsoft Dynamics now, Shopify, yeah. SAP, et cetera. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of it is getting super easy, like super, like plug and play, almost you know, control it yourself, yeah, sort of stuff, yeah. tools like VL Omni and Sligo yeah, and, and such like. So yeah, I think it's, it's very easy. And if you're integrating smaller systems, then you've also got like things like Zapier or Zapier, never know how to say it, um, <laughs> that are making integrating anything super easy. Yeah. So yeah, it's real strength. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Shopify checkout, so that's another area where people often, or that people tend to question in terms of kind of how rigid and locked down it is. Um, do you see this as a positive thing? I've always kind of seen it as a bit of a positive thing. Um, how <laughs> limited is it? Um, and talk to us about kind of times where you've maybe customized it a little bit. I know you talked about Emma Bridgewater earlier and that's one example that I always reference as like a really clean kind of non-standard Shopify checkout that's got a few nice features in it. Um, yeah, yeah. so I think I agree. It's like part, partly positive, partly negative. Yeah. Um, it's positive in that, uh, well, this checkout is running on over a million stores worldwide. So, <laughs> and Shopify optimize it yeah. based off that fact so so you know it's going to be good um that said you like brands of a certain size do have legitimate reasons to tailor it yeah. so we end up um kind of advising against huge customization because uh you then start losing the benefit of shopify's standardized checkout and the fact that they can roll out new features to it uh, easily. As soon as you start customizing it, the ability for Shopify to push its brand new features to it becomes more of a pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, generally we try and stick to stylistic changes and the odd like inclusion of sort of features or um, like with Emma Bridgewater. I mean, the customization is pretty minimal. We're just uh, including a few sign up extra fields and um, things like yeah, smart change, look up and changing around like the ordering. Oh, gift like messaging. Yeah, so there's a lot of messaging and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean it's not actually as limiting as you think i've seen people build a, a one-page checkout yeah. by customizing yeah, it yeah. and like with all sorts of crazy things going on i just don't think it's worth it like it, yeah i'd never advise any of our retailers to do it because it's just not it's just there's just not a strong enough use case for it the other thing i've seen is um sort of smart sort of leading up to the checkout uh i guess maybe handling on a series of cart pages or a flow up until the checkout to remove and then, and then jumping straight to the payment sec section of Shopify's checkout. So, so it's, you're not actually editing the checkout yeah, theme you're files. You're kind of adding some steps earlier on to remove steps further down the line, um, which is quite a smart way of doing it. So yeah, it's not, it's not actually that restrictive. Um, and I think there are a lot of pros to having a standardized yeah. checkout flow. I think, um, yeah, so I was reading a, 
uh, thread on Twitter um, a few weeks ago that was basically saying that Shopify's checkout has become a bit of a trust signal. And I think that's probably true to a certain extent. Like you kind of know what you're getting with Shopify. And yeah, it just becomes easy because you've used it so many times. Yeah. Like, and like, you do see it all the time now. Like you realize, oh, oh, this is on Shopify because yeah. you've hit that same checkout flow. And with Shopify, obviously, generally it's kind of um, associated with relatively secure safe websites as well yeah. unlike some of kind of the bespoke platforms or other platforms um yeah and i think that was kind of one of the things that came up in the thread and i think it ended up being quite a positive discussion yeah i mean sure there are de- there are un- uh, there are definitely negatives around yeah. and certain brands would probably find it frustrating because they've got really unique things they need to do yeah um, but for the vast majority like it's a really solid checkout flow yeah um that yeah it does everything you need bit of a sub question on that so last year at unite shopify talked quite a bit around their plans to open up the checkout and um one of the use cases was pulling subscriptions into the native checkout yeah. um when well, like, what do you see kind of that bring into merchants um i think it's it's yeah pulling subscriptions into the native checkouts a long time coming uh, i mean you can already do it we have done it before um but it takes a lot of work um and restricts you even more on certain payment payment gateways you can use um and yeah that's like requires a little bit of wrangling from shopify to get access um but yeah i think i think having having that open up um will be great because then you're not i think what happens with the subscription business at the moment on shopify is you're using a tool like recharge which is a great tool but separate checkout flow. So if your business is part subscription and part not, then you can occasionally get um, different checkout flows and you've got control that user experience. Um, And yeah, for a retailer, you don't want to have to pay for an additional tool, ideally. Um, That said, I'm not super clear on what exactly is going to be built into this, um, built into Shopify's own subscription side of things and whether you'll still need a tool like Recharge managing the subscription element and the, the packages and the frequency and all that sort of stuff um and and shopify is just allowing that to go through its own checkout somehow so yeah. i'm not it's not it's not super clear from what i heard um uh from someone at recharge yeah they were heavily involved in the discussions around yeah. the, the, the the subscriptions api at shopify so so like i feel like it's not going to totally cut out a party like recharge but it's not that clear to me like where it's going i don't think yeah. you've heard more about that no not until my um assumption and actually where i was going with that was more that companies like recharge could integrate with the checkout with it them opening it up to third parties yeah um, yeah that's quite interesting um yeah i think it'd be interesting to see what uh what comes out of that at unite this year um so there's been a lot of changes and improvements to plus over the last few years we've talked about a few of them um, which ones do you think have had the biggest impact um, and which ones have kind of been best for you as an agency? So things like multi-currency, Flow, some of the new APIs that have been made available, which ones have kind of benefited you the most or your clients? Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I, <laughs> I was having a think about this question and it's very hard to focus on like which one because I think with Shopify, because there's so many things continually released, yeah, it's the the thing the, the strength I think is that it's not any one particular thing. It's just the fact that you're getting improvements the whole time. Like yes, like when Flow came out, that was really exciting to to me. Yeah, <laughs> and I could play around with automating some stuff and like we setting up stuff for different different clients to maybe automate parts of their business. But it wasn't like game changing. Um, Multi currency wasn't game changing but it's allowed some of our clients to experiment in other currencies before taking the plunge and spinning off a, a separate store yeah. instance when they want to they want to fully localize um i think yeah some i mean all the apis are getting better um i think the move to like graphql um was probably a good thing um although you know some developers have preferences yeah. uh, for like rest apis i mean there's just yeah i, I couldn't really hone in on one thing I'd say the the thing that has um, got better and better and better for me, for us as an agency and uh, for Shopify as well as a real strength is like the partner ecosystem is getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. And I think that is the real strength of Shopify that they built this great partner ecosystem. Um, And it it means that um, pre-built integrations are, like I said, are pretty much ready to go for a third party. Um, You've got, uh, I, I think 
agencies that, uh, well, I mean, for me, it may be better if there weren't so many strong agencies, but, but you're getting much stronger, stronger agencies so that retailers have a much broader choice of partner, um, partners with more experience coming from other platforms. Um, I think that that's, that's a real, real strength. And that's something that is, uh, yeah, got re- really a lot better over the last couple of years. Um, while still maintaining the, the the kind of friendly ecosystem that I think Shopify has as a, as a, as a partner um, compared to maybe some other tech platforms. Yeah. Um, there's definitely more other upcoming stuff that I'm really interested to see. So one thing we touched on is shop, the sort of new unified view across your multiple Shopify stores. Um, the translation API, I think is going to be a big one. Yeah. So that, like I say, is kind of, in beta already um and finally allows well you've been able to do multi-language on a single shopify store for ages but a much better way of doing it all your content stored in shopify and surfaced via shopify um i think like the stuff they talked about uh for pos and making that much more a compelling proposition for larger retailers will be really interesting um i'd like uh, you know i'd like to see a lot more of our clients start using shopify pos yeah. um, which hasn't really taken off that much over here you know we've got a few that use it um skinny dip use it and yeah. a few other a few other clients but most of our clients tend to only use it for like pop-ups or events um whereas if we could see that shift a bit more to proper you know in-store usage a lot that'd be really interesting and then shopify fulfillment could be a massive thing uh, like that was a really yeah. uh, out of left field announcement I felt at Unite, yeah. um, but quite in- interesting because it's sort of this move for Shopify to be the what they call the the retail operating system. So it's going to provide all the services you need to be a, to build a business um, without having to you know go to multiple parties. Um, I'm not sure how quickly that's all going to roll out to, to kind of um, more retailers, but um, yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It'll be interesting to see what that's like and when it comes to UK as well. Um, okay, so on the flip side of that, um, with Shopify, so there are a number of things that can be frustrating with Shopify, um, <laughs> and some of those are kind of big pros that can also be cons. So like Shopify payments for me is one that can be really good or really frustrating. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you have found to be kind of restrictive um, and what have been some of your most frustrating areas from a technical perspective so payments is probably one i would uh, mention too so i guess shopify has built-in integrations with tons of payment providers which is great because it solves takes away a load of development time it's all supported by someone else all those integrations makes things very easy for both the agency and the the retailer Um, but at the same time, if you're wanting to use another payment gateway, then you're kind of out of luck or yeah. maybe you get an exception and you can build something with uh, the payments SDK, which is sometimes made available to you as, a, as, a, as an agency and sometimes not, or as a retailer rather, and sometimes not. Um, or you end up using a workaround. So I know that um, for a, a project we worked on in the past where we wanted to use uh, there was a requirement for certain payment methods. Uh, I forget which ones they were, but um, the time Shopify didn't provide those payment methods. I think it was uh, maybe for uh, Ideal, which is yeah. a big payment method in the in the Netherlands. Um, we then had to use the sort of a third party checkout to get that working. So there's always workarounds, but sometimes it's it's a bit frustrating. If you have to work around something, it's frustrating. Yes. Um, so yeah, payment payments, and and I think the other thing is like Shopify payments itself um, gives you. Uh, gives you, it's, it's a very compelling offering. It gives you things like Shopify Pay, which is you know this two-stage checkout um, on mobile, which is super slick, um, and starting to see a lot more brands using that. And the more brands that use it, the more traction you'll get, and the easier it is across multiple stores. Um, but at the same time, Shopify payments, you know, they're not super flexible on rates. You can negotiate them down, but particularly in the UK our retailers find they can get much better rates elsewhere. Yeah. So you've got to really sell in the, the kind of added benefits of Shopify payments, which is the feature set, the fact that you get things earlier uh, on that. So like I said, that is a definitely, I mean, you know it Paul, like every yeah. time we 
every time every client we have yeah. uh, there's always discussion around it like and it's a uh, we present the facts and then a client's make a decision and it's normally some kind of compromise one way or the other yeah one of the um, actually one of the things that's been most useful that you've given me over the years was um, how good Stripe actually is with Shopify in a situation where you're maybe not in or you're not eligible for Shopify payments or you can't use Shopify payments on a catch-all store or something like that. Um, and yeah, I, was quite, I didn't realize that before and that's actually really useful. Yeah, I think it's because, I mean, under the hood, Shopify payments yeah. is Stripe. Um, so Stripe is the next payment method, uh, next payment gateway to, to get the features typically yeah. in, in you know, often Stripe and PayPal Pro potentially. Yeah. Um, and the next two to get it, uh, to, to get feature rollouts. Um, but yeah, so yeah, like you say, a lot of our, of our uh, clients are on, on Stripe. But then again, Stripe's not super competitive on rates either, really, yeah. um, compared to maybe some of the old guard. Yeah, yeah. Particularly if you're really embedded with a gateway and you've managed to hammer SagePay down over, over yeah. multiple years, it's then um, quite difficult to um, convince your CFO that uh, a move to Shopify payments with a fairly chunky increase in transaction fees is, is worth it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got loads of the limitations to talk about if you want me to not, I feel like I've been very pro Shopify in this. So maybe it's will add some balance. Yeah. Do you want me to run through? Yeah, them? go on, go for it. <laughs> so other challenges I think we've, we find are, um, variant limits. Yeah. So this is that Shopify has a sort of limit for, um, uh, yeah, var variants as they're called in, in Shopify, but like, yeah, child, SKUs, I suppose, in uh, potentially in other, other platforms, but um, yeah, we generally have workarounds for that. But again, when you need to work around something, it's would be easier if the platform just did it. Um, uh, multi-store app pricing is another one. So the, the the architecture of Shopify being this whole multi-store model means that you then have to have apps plugged into each individual store, which is fine. And bigger um, tech partners have pricing models for that. Yeah, but the small apps don't and you end up paying per store for each app which i think is changing and has changed quite a lot in over the last few years but it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for retailers sometimes so i think shopify could do a better job of forcing or having like a yeah. plus pricing arrangement because the whole model of plus is you pay one license fee for plus and you get 10 stores so there should ought to be a way of apps being able to price in a similar way that's kind of maybe mandated by shopify plus that, one, would, that one, would be useful yeah, um, one thing on that, actually, one of the things that I've found, particularly with a couple of projects recently, is that most of the app companies, 90%, are pretty negotiable. Um, and we've, although it's taken a long time to negotiate with app companies, it was quite a frustrating experience. Yeah. Um, we've averaged out, at, so with a client that had five stores and a client that had six stores, we averaged out about 1.5 or two times the uh, normal rate. Yeah, that's pretty good. Which can be quite a big saving. Yeah. And a lot of them, like I say, are now yeah, well up for that conversation. Yeah. But yeah, it tends to be the smaller ones that are a bit less responsive. Um, yeah, some other stuff then, I suppose, yeah, like, uh, I guess, SEO uh, restrictions. Yeah. So in general, my view is it's not a massive issue. But if you're coming from a platform where you've had total control over your sort of robots, TXT file yeah, your and your URL structure, structure uh, and all that stuff, um, it's, it can be a bit frustrating. Um, I guess if you're going headless, uh, all of those restrictions yeah. disappear. Um, and that, that is maybe one, one reason some, some, some people would, would take that headless approach. Um, and then I guess an, another, another thing from an agency point of view is, um, again, unless you're going headless, we're, we're not totally in control of site performance. So like Shopify, there was a big push for improving the storefront performance this year. Um, and in chats we, uh, Alex and I had with the CTO uh, at Unite, he was showing us some fairly impressive uh, performance stats that we're rolling out over the course yeah. of the year. So, so like that is getting better, but sometimes you feel like you're a bit of a, fighting a bit of an uphill battle um, on that stuff because there's only so much you can do. Yeah, I know they said um, at Unite they were kind of betoing some, or they were kind of rolling some of that stuff out across a small proportion of stores. And something that I thought was interesting, so across uh, through Black Friday, obviously Gymshark went down 
kind of for a short amount of time. And then when it came back up, I was going through the site and it was significantly faster. So I kind of convinced myself that's what <laughs> Shopify is going to yeah, be like. When someone flicked the switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so I think, um, yeah, they were, they were definitely trialing it on stools like Fashion Fashion Nova, yeah. and I've seen some stats around that. So, yeah, I don't know what, you know, again, it's probably rolled out slowly. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that is another reason some people are, yeah, prefer the headless approach because yeah. then you totally control it. And, and I sort of do agree with that, but I think for a lot of people, you know, performance improvements that are fairly dramatic are coming to, to the main Shopify storefront. So jumping onto the headless bandwagon just for performance is probably the wrong thing at this stage. Yeah, makes sense. Um, one of the, You just touched on SEO there, and I guess for me, the biggest frustration there probably is uh, subdomains. So for international retailers, have it, or not necessarily subdomains, but not being able to do subfolders. And if you've yeah. got a site uh, on a platform like Magento and you've got all of your international stores set up as subfolders, you're kind of risking a domain migration. I heard a rumor that... Um, from a not particularly reliable source um, <laughs> that um, Shopify are about to open up and allow for subfolders. Have you heard that at all? Um, well, so uh, yes and no. The translations API feature means that you would have for each language a subfolder. So you would have paulrogers.com forward slash fr and then the rest of your URL will give you your French content. But you're not then going to be able to do that if you're separating out the store. Yeah. So, which I guess. But is, it could be step one of a multi of, yeah. a, of a of a push down that. That route. is quite interesting. I wonder if they'll extend that out and give you more control over. I'm sure languages. they. I'm sure they will do eventually. Yeah. I think. I think um, it's good to see this happening. Um, and I mean, I guess you'd have to do something like that for for language. Well, I suppose you can still do it on subdomains, but um, yeah, I think. Um, it's a sort of step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, again, it's the sort of thing that is a perceived massive pain, um, but hasn't really had a huge impact on our retailers when we yeah. made the switch. And really, if you if you if you want to localize, you're far better off having a properly localized domain. Yeah. Um, because perception from a, a customer's point of view will be much stronger. You know, they feel like right, this is actually a local company that. It's more, um, I guess, like the catch-alls and stuff like that. They're quite annoying. Yeah. Um, well, the catch-alls in this instance, maybe that's when you are going to have the sub-folder sub thing. Because if your catch-all is your site, which is multi-language, potentially. I don't know. Yeah, it really depends on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. So uh, one of the big things come out of last year with Shopify that we somehow haven't talked about yet is Handshake. Um, there's a lot of talk about this and kind of a lot of uh, question marks over how they're going to integrate with Shopify, whether it's going to be a separate platform within the main platform, whether it's going to be housed within the wholesale channel or a completely new set of features. Um, one, how big do you think this will be for Shopify? Um, and obviously we don't yet know kind of what it's going to look like. And do you have any ideas of kind of on any of those areas of how it will be rolled out? Um, yeah, yeah, so I can have a... A, a, a semi-educated guess because <laughs> um, I've heard some things from Shopify but uh, uh, yeah I'd really like to see a much more serious B2B play from Shopify yeah. um, at the moment there platform, other platforms do B2B much better um, you can see that in the market Absolutely. Um, I think we do have like wholesale sites on Shopify we don't really have I think we've got one client that uses the wholesale channel yeah. which was very much a sort of version 0.1 of B2B from Shopify. And I think it was never supposed to be a full featured thing. Um, doesn't really offer enough for any of the clients sizes that we, we were with. Um, so we end up building out a sort of another storefront for wholesale. Yeah. And even then you kind of limited because things like price lists become tricky to do, et yeah. cetera. So um, yeah, it was really interesting to see that hand, handshake acquisition. From my understanding, um, this is uh, yeah, just from what I've heard from people people uh, that I've spoken to at Shopify, is that uh, I think it was primarily a, a knowledge and talent acquisition rather than yeah. um, they're going to build that same same what well, build the current implementation of Handshake yeah. and just port it across. They more it's more of a rebuild. Yeah, but I think it, yeah, it is going to be built into the platform. Yeah, and presumably. Um, haven't you don't know too much on timelines that uh no but when did it happen so like it was 
early last early, year. Early last year. Yeah. So I'd expect, you know, maybe Q2 we'd start hearing something. Yeah. Just thinking about how long it would take them to start getting yeah. rebuild something. But I'd, so I'd expect Unite this year, which is like May or June, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, there'll be an announcement. I'd, yeah. That'll be on my list of things I'd be expecting to hear about. I see, yeah. They've had loads of time. Yeah. So I should have finished it by now. Yeah, pull your finger out, Sean. <laughs> um, okay, so last couple of questions. So you compete against Salesforce a lot, Magento a lot, some of the other platforms. Um, what are the main reasons that you think clients, your clients, chose Shopify? Um, I suppose the main reason uh, is the total cost of ownership, probably. Yeah. Um, this isn't always the case, but most of the time, compared to those two platforms, Shopify Plus will work out um, more, uh, work out cheaper. Um, uh, and and then I suppose without without many downsides, like depending on the depending on your business, like if if you're not needing like huge customization or features that maybe I don't know, let's say you've got a real big B two B. Uh, part of your business and maybe Magento makes more sense. If 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 your business is right for Shopify Plus, um, it's not it's gonna it's not it's it's got everything you need. Yeah, why wouldn't you go for it? So so um, I think I don't I don't wanna say it's cheaper and therefore worse. It's cheaper and often better in in, yeah. in a lot of cases. So I think that's that's one time to market as well. You should be able to do things more quickly on Shopify. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yes, yeah, I guess it's a bit of a realization that they don't need to go on those other platforms. You know, I think um, if you were looking for a SaaS platform that was highly scalable three or four years ago and you're a high street retailer, you'd be it's Salesforce, Salesforce. Um, yeah, uh, would be the, the, your number one. Because that's not the case anymore. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that, that and I guess the, yeah, there's probably something about the partner ecosystem being really strong as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a big part of it. I think there's a different way that Salesforce sell compared to Shopify. Yeah. And it's almost a different audience as well. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I don't know which is better, but Salesforce are heavy on the selling themselves and they're bringing the SI in yeah. with them. Shopify plus there's a bit of that, but really they're relying on um, agencies to do yeah. a lot of selling. And um, yeah, I think that can sometimes hurt us. So like uh, I would say that, yeah, a big brand expecting to have a bit more face time with Absolutely, the platform yeah. itself, and you know they probably don't want to speak to us. Yeah, they they want to hear it from Shopify, yeah. and at the moment we're probably better at selling it than Shopify are. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that changes. There's a lot more. I guess maybe it's maybe it's my UK sort of uh, centric worldview um, because we haven't had tons of um, support from Shopify over the years in the UK, but now there's a big team of sales uh, salespeople and uh, partner partnership people in 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 london with us that that's definitely starting to help 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 us a bit more great um last question so what are your top three <laughs> favorite shopify stores uh, you can include one of yours so only one yeah oh. um uh so i think uh it's very it's difficult question difficult to pick three um, so these are more things I've seen recently rather than yeah. my actual favorites, probably. But there's one really cool one called, I don't even know if it's on Shopify Plus or if it's just Shopify. Yeah. It's called Nugs. Right. <laughs> and they make, uh, it's like plant-based chicken nuggets, oh, basically. Oh, you sent me that. It's such a cool site. And uh, <laughs> it's really different. It is headless, I think. Um, and it's just got a really good... Uh, like the UX is strong, but it's got real, real strong brand personality yeah. injected in there as well. And like it's got some cool stuff like, you know, the product instead of on the PLP, like the products uh, or the PDP rather, the, uh, the the products in 3D, et cetera. And it's just got, it's just, it's just really fun, I think. Um, and it's got uh, the actual subscription flows uh, really slick too. So very simple product in the sense that it's a single product website, but I just thought it was a really nice, really nicely built site. Yeah. Maybe on the other end of the spectrum in, in the much larger realm, then uh, another good one that I've um, been looking at recently is Bolland Branch. Um, I know that one. So they're like a nine figure re uh, revenue retailer uh, based in the States. Um, uh, yeah. So, the the thing I really liked about that, um, and I yeah definitely recommend checking it out, is um, 
it's, it's it, yeah, really strong best practice, econ best practice in UX. I think the product pages are excellent. Um, you know, it's, it's got all the features you'd expect in terms of, uh, you know, uh, splitting out payments with things like Afterpay. Um, all the USPs are really highlighted well on that product page. It's got some, on their mattress page, it's got some really nice, um, good use of subtle animation um, to highlight product features, um, good use of video. Uh, I think, you know, it's a fairly large site as well, so it's quite a broad product range. So it's not like one of these easy, it's, it's sort of easier to create a beautiful UX for a single product store yeah. whereas this is actually more like a department store style website I mean, it's not as big as a department store but it's yeah it's uh i just thought it was a really really good example and then um another one that uh is ours i suppose <laughs> um and i wanted to yeah throw it out there because it's like a, a a recent launch so um and it's a beautiful website so we've just launched uh david beckham eyewear oh, wow. uh, on shopify plus so it's non-transactional at the moment actually um, so it's very early stage of the launch, but, uh, yeah, I think we've done, well, I say we, I've had nothing to do with it. <laughs> our team, our design team, dev team have done a really nice job, um, showcasing the products. It's just a, yeah, a, a lovely looking site and really, really proud of it. Awesome. So did anyone get to meet David Beckham? Uh, no, I was expecting him to, you know, come, come round for a office. launch party. Yeah. <laughs> very disappointing. <laughs> Um, yeah, but that one, I think it's not, uh, there's just so much scope for us making that into a really slick site once it yeah. does become transactional. Um, I mean, all the product pages are already there, but like actually building on that, building out some, some nice animation into, into there, I think it's got real good scope to be a, a lovely website. Very cool brand. And yeah. I'd add to that as well, that I think the uh, Emma Bridgewater site's great as well. I yeah, think I, really, I, I think yeah. it's really, yes, I mean, it's probably... Couple of years since we built it, yeah. but it's a really nice site. Stands stood the test of time. Very well, considered. Um, yeah, I think uh, it was a really lovely project to work on as well because they'd been on uh, same platform yeah. for a long, long time without much love shown to the website. Um, so it was a lovely design project to work through. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah, still one we use in a lot of pitches to show some of the different things you can do with Shopify, um, and hopefully lots of interesting things happening on that site this year. Great. Okay, well, that's all the questions I had. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem. It's, uh, yeah, great to be part of this uh, new podcast. Great. And um, yeah, thanks very much for listening as well. Um, if, as always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to James or myself on Twitter or LinkedIn or the Replatform website. Um, and you can also suggest any topics as well there. Um, and then we will have the next episode next week. Thank you very much.